and welcome to the Dice and Screaming Podcast. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, hi there. How you doing? <laughs> it's uh, me, Randy. And Mike. And together we are bringing you the Dice and Screaming Podcast once again. <laughs> so I hope everybody's having a good one. Uh, the <laughs> we are the gaming podcast. Uh, oh, we're jumping right in now. <laughs> we, we are the gaming podcast. Artificer and alchemist who graduated at the bottom of their respective classes. Literally. We have the best explosions. None of them are on purpose. <laughs> well, they're happy accidents. <laughs> they're not where or when you want them, but they are amazing to watch. <laughs> trust Truly. me. Well, you're going to have to trust this because <coughs> this is an audio podcast, not a video one. Hey, and speaking of... Michael Bay Explosions. We've been talking about uh, moving forward on some ideas. Maybe changing our format up. We got some both positive and negative. Some of you folks want us to keep going with the audio, and I think that's fair enough. But we may be shifting to another service here uh, shortly. But, you know, that's uh, all things in the future because we're coming up on our... Oh, yeah. Whatever we're coming up. Say it. Three... 100th episode. Yeah, it's a big one for us, and we're also close to 30,000. Uh, listen, probably in the next couple episodes, we'll cross that. Thanks to listeners like you. Yeah. So, Not even kidding. I, like, I'm a little giddy. Mm. Which so, means I cannot be trusted. We got some gifts for our 300th episode, and we'll be uh, yeah. detailing how you're going to be able to get your hands on those. In the episodes to come... Uh, this will be an unfolding scenario. There there are going to be nifty things uh, included in the 300th episode uh, finale. You know, the... the finale, well, well uh, we're not ending. Uh, we, we've got a, a lead-in over the next few podcasts, and when we reach the crescendo yeah, on number 300, yeah. then uh, we will be doling out goodies. <clears throat> Yeah, so we're going to be letting you know what's coming up here in the following ones. Uh, some nice items. It's not uh, just stuff that's been sitting on the shelf collecting dust. It's, it's actually some good stuff. We actually went out and spent some money on this. No, we, we hired professional Zverf Neblin craftsmen. <laughs> no. <laughs> we didn't buy it secondhand off eBay, but we did buy it. So it's... Oh, yeah, and, and I know awesome. you're eager to talk us down, but let's let's put positive. I was about to say, I think you guys like we'll they're like. awesome, right? So, self-depreciating humor aside, we have a couple other hey, items to clear up. That was not mockery. Hmm? Do not mistake my respect for quality Spurf Neblin craftsmanship. Okay. Oh, I was not being facetious. Okay. <laughs> All right. I've. Apparently, I've stepped into a landmine there, folks. Uh, it's the deep gnomes. They're way better than the shallow gnomes. I'm, I'm down for that. Anyway, what I'm also down to talk about is we need to uh, detail a little bit of business. We've been remiss in talking about ding, ding. some of the things that have been happening in the wider gaming community. We were able to uh, finagle a couple things. Uh, I think Mike was talking about uh, Evil Hat Games. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've uh, been reached out to, so we'll look for some coverage. of. Yeah, we've like... been giving a perusal to new material. Perusal. I like that. Yes. 
got perusal. I'm full of interesting words today. I, I think it's because, you know, like I, <laughs> I've got caffeine percolating through my brain. You're full of something, all right. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you know, that's, that's the charm. I like it. So, yeah, we need to uh, basically cover a little bit about that stuff. But those fine folks have given us some free product. And, of course, we're going to share that with you as well in the form of our podcast. So we're going to do some reviews of products out there. I think our first one's going to be up uh, shortly here is, um, what was it, Knives in the Dark? Was that was one of the uh, items? Mike? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll know more as we see more. So. Just one. Just one. No more. Just one. There was okay. There only could be one. So hey, you know it's. Uh, but yeah, we're going to examine uh, not merely that like uh, the the items we have received, but also like a little a little look see at the stock, the existing uh, properties under the evil hat logo. We're going to peer beneath the evil hat. Oh well, yeah, that's a whole thing. Did that sound ominous? It sure does. They're like pulling a villain's mask off. Well, you know, what would you want to see is underneath the evil hat, but evil itself. But. Captain Lammers! Mm. Nice read, Velma. I knew that was coming. Thank you. Mm. Right. You're <sighs> welcome, I think. So, yeah, so action. <laughs> WOGL News back on the air again. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so nice to make that sound again. I know. I'm so happy to be back with OGL News. Uh, this is overdue. We, we've taken a break from OGL News because kind of the dust was settling for yeah. a little bit. Okay, I'm not saying that nothing interesting happened in the world of gaming. But owed to the size and scale of events that took place months ago, it's very hard to compare the events of the last few months as equally significant. Uh, like the, It felt like... Like the footsteps of giants landed routinely in January and February and even into March. Uh, things have been blessedly somewhat quieter and more subdued and sane since then. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that things haven't been happening. So we're going to catch up with OGL News. Well, yeah, one of the big items to drop was they came out last night with an update from Paizo President Jim Butler. Uh, it's been a full year, and he had some things to talk about. And one of them was the United Paizo workers, and the unionization, and uh, going through the industry's first ever collective bargaining agreement, as he outlines in there. It was an easy process. and Oh, God, no. You know, uh, they didn't see eye to eye, but they managed to hammer out a contract that they're both uh, willing to work with and under. So... That's a, an interesting thing because a lot of people have made some hay about this, about whether it's going to change the industry. And I liked what he ended up at the end of saying that to other businesses, leaders in the industry who are concerned about unionization, I offer the immortal words of Douglas Adams, don't panic. <laughs> so, uh, also talking about the rise of the orc. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they had to name it the orc and the axe. The final license agreement has been reached. Finally, and uh, it's been submitted to the Library of Congress in the U.S. Patents Office, so it will be maintained in perpetuity without anyone's interference. It cannot be altered further. It can be amended, but only in amended in the sorts of 
in relationship to copyright law as it changes from rulings. And that's it. Yeah. So the, that's final. Essentially, the laws of the United States right. will have to be changed in order. And if the laws of the United States change, then. About it, IP and yeah. intellectual property and. Exactly. What is. Uh, and that is outside the scope of the actual power of PISO. That, that's not. Or, yeah, they, and they, and they, they have not been. A lot of people still say that, oh, they're in charge of the York license. Okay, they helped get it going, but there was a lot of other people I didn't put. Plus the fact that they are now, they handed it off halfway through to Azora Law Firm, and Azora has now handed it off to that. Off to the Library of Congress it goes. Yep, and that decision, of course, uh, had other impacts about the OGL. I did like the fact that he was very uh, brisk in this upbraiding wizards. He said, as some of you may have noticed earlier this year, there was a thing that happened with the OGL license or the open gaming license, Paizo and other publishers made the decision to leave the OGL and begin publishing under an open RPG creative license, the Orc license. This wasn't a decision we took lightly, but Paizo can no longer operate under a license that a corporate giant believed they could change, shake up, or cancel whenever it wanted to. And I think that's uh, pretty much been where we've been at, and you can't blame them for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was pretty blunt in that uh, last statement there. Yeah, a corporate giant, heretofore unnamed, but all too well known. And there's a tacit admission that I like here. Okay, there's an acknowledgement that what you're doing today as a CEO uh, may be in line with your ideas about what's appropriate for your company to be doing. But you're not going to be there forever. There's going to be a person after you and a person after that and a person after that. Uh, there's going to be different evolving boards. Uh, there does seem to be a measurable trend that no matter how nobly and how competently a corporation starts off, the inevitable drift uh, is towards, well, you know, pretty naked opportunism. Uh, it stops being about long-term planning or like actually attempting to make the company strong and well, but grabbing as much loot as possible and then leaping out with golden parachutes before the damage actually hits. Like steering the Titanic into the iceberg after having made sure that you've got the insurance claim on it and then leaping to your private lifeboats ahead of everybody else and leaving everybody else All right, I'm going to stop that so, analogy so, right there because I'm feeling that we're getting very close to the Ocean Gate thing, and we're just not doing that right now. It's too soon. You, you, that ship has sailed. You, you're saying that joke imploded on me? Yes. Okay. Too um, soon. But anyway. Yeah. Too soon. It, yeah. Yeah. This but is corporate my, stuff. My point is there's a tacit acknowledgement by Paizo that it can happen to them too. Right. And that they're going to, this, this is a very unique moment where a company is imposing its current ideals onto it, itself in perpetuity. Uh, and only something as radical as a total departure from their existing format is going to free them from this. Like, you know, they'll have to do very much what, uh, WOTC has wound up doing where like, okay, you people can have your doggone fifth edition and, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, 
do something different for D and D one, and that'll like get us out from under this. But or like D and D whatever. But we're not going to punish you for doing this because obviously you'll be so mad about that you will never buy our future products, and then we wither at the vine. They so, remembered fourth edition. Yeah, yeah. They, it, whatever crisis intervention team helped get them to their senses midway through that crisis, uh, they realized that like you you can't kill the goose that keeps laying you the golden egg. They're trying now. But we've well documented that I approve that of what Paizo is trying to do. I personally think that it's a nice gesture now, but, you know, it doesn't really protect them internally. I, like, the, the company will evolve over time. We'll see how that happens. Well, yeah. I think that the Orc license, for the most part, it's is a good, good start. step forward because it's more than just Paizo. It's Chaos, oh, yeah, it's and a, Ronin. A collaborative and of all. This is something that will keep... Um, protect not only each company's brands and various ways of playing role-playing games, but it'll also make it so that other people can use and borrow from them without having to go through all the litigation, intellectual protection, uh, property protection, copyright laws. It's already done, and that's one of the big things about this. And, but it, that's, and it has, oh. in many respects, the virtue of making it possible for games to have similar systems that allow them to enjoy uh, an ease of adaption from system to system so that all the players out there don't have to go, oh, oh dude, the system for this is so different. Hey, they're all going to be a little different. But what if they had the power to at least be approachable in similar ways without violating each other's copyright law. You know, it, the ORC does a lot to allow a wide variety of creatives to publish stuff with sufficient similarity that they can enjoy the entire customer base. They, they don't have to go, oh man, you know, we're, we're taking our niche market and then we're dropping that down to like <clears throat> just 5% of that niche market. No. That doesn't have to be the way of the world anymore. I like that. So we could probably do a whole episode on New York license. We've kind of avoided it because well, it's, we've it's got... very, it's legal. It's, it, it's boring to talk about legal stuff, but I think that's potential is, is that it's a step forward from where do you go after the OGL? And I, I think that Paizo has been in familiar term uh, this is familiar waters for uh, Paisa before they it's like history repeats itself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they've, they've been here before and I think that they've made a conscious choice not to be here again. So they gave up. I like that. The, he was pretty blunt with it, but the decision had other impacts as he says here, the abomination vaults, fifth edition, star finders score scoured stars, adventure path and the Mecha Geddon adventure Pass. For Starfinder, as well as the Lost Omens Tianzia character guide and Howl from the Wild rulebook, all had to be moved to 2024 and down the road to make room for the player core and GM core remastered rulebooks coming out in November. So that's a big thing there. Yeah, they put a lot of stuff on the back burner for, well, not even on the back burner, but, but you know, put it up for immediate, like, okay, we've got to re edit and rewrite. Uh, we've got to bring this in line with the you know, right. newly well, changed. Can, the changes are fairly nominal, but while they've got the patient open, as the <laughs> term goes, might as well make some quality of life changes. 
They also talks about here about the reorganizations inside Paizo, and it's kind of that's kind of stuff where I think it's a little out of our bailiwick to talk about. But it does sound like they're restructuring to make themselves more agile and more durable. The other surprising thing is they have announced that they will be closing their uh, Redmond office and warehouse. They're going uh, mostly remote, and they're going to be using moving their warehouse operations a few miles up the road to Woodenville. Uh, they said in the coming months, and uh, Paizo employees uh, can be eligible who are rem- eligible for remote work, including in Colorado, Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota, Oregon, and Washington. If you live in those states, they're willing to uh, make uh, amends that you can work remotely, which is, you know, for game design, I think that is probably the most appealing thing right there, not having to travel back and forth to work. Yeah, that's one of those weird leftovers from COVID that uh, I, I feel like we did gain something from this, which is the tacit acknowledgement that not every job needs to be like done in the office. Like it, it's literally a waste of time, money, and effort to drag Pizza, somebody yeah. in. Like I need you to put on a suit and get up at uh, like five thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and then drive two hours through traffic, and you know, like come into the office and like sit here underneath a like fluorescent light bulb uh, while you know, like other people glower at you and you should be available for people to pester you throughout the day <laughs> with uh, minor, minor meetings and like just fill out forms. And like, so basically you really want me to be here so that you can really pile on the non game creation stuff. Yes, that's exactly it. No, that, Putting a little broader perspective on this, a lot of industries discovered that we don't actually need people here. It's mostly an ego trip. It's it's yeah. mostly about instructing a person, you know, drone number three seven five one nine, present yourself. You know, just <laughs> cubicle seventeen through thirty one, report for termination. <laughs> uh, it is a game. Ooh, downsizing of, <laughs> getting really tough around here. Yeah, uh, it, it was mostly just a cloud yeah. of uh, op- oppressive BS that, that had very, so very they, they... little to do with actual productivity. Uh, so for people in particular in creative fields, this was just a boom. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, like I, I, you know how happy I am? Like I have music I like on in the background and I'm not wearing pants. Huh. Like I'm here in a pair of boxers. Well, there are challenges from working at home. One, keeping focus. Two, you know, family and other distractions. Because obviously, while you're at home, the family feels that they can just bother you for whatever. But look, there's challenges. I respect the fact that for game creation, they're in not my there. case, it's the dog. But yeah, if I'm home all day, that dog is just so happy that I'm home that I am getting every half hour visits on the half hour. I want to come and hang out with you. I want you to do stuff. Let's go. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> it, it tends to be more like a limited period of psychosis right after my return from work. Welcome to being yeah. a fur father. Okay? Exactly. Uh, you know, we, we both have day. the same problem. And I mean, mine's it's like a 13-year-old dog, and she is still psychotic with glee, which is so flattering. This is why people love dogs, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you, you really... You don't get that response from, well, almost any other creature in nature, including humans. Uh, like crazed enthusiasm for your return 
is just one of the most touching, heartfelt things. But, and they mean it. They're not like, they're not duplicitous. Like, yeah. I'm putting on a little show. No. It's like, oh my God, it's you. But anyway, we're back on track. Yeah, all right, like, all right. Rrr! Pulling me back in. Um, <laughs> we need to, need to kind of guide this in a little bit. Uh, so being, yeah. being at home work uh, is probably a hot idea on their part, okay? they're They're rolling with the times and they're acknowledging that, like, if we don't actually have an, a serious reason to meet with you face to face, what harm does it do to let you do your work where you're at? <laughs> Which I think, you know, hey, maybe they'll include Michigan one day. Um, anyway, yeah, because they got Indiana. So I'm like, hey, I'm just, uh, you know, a couple miles north. Uh, anyway, um, some other <laughs> things they uh, talk about, and this was one that was just like boring to me. Oh, we're getting a new software uh, for our accounting firm. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, why would you even talk about this? Because right after that, they talk about a new store. Oh, my gosh. If you know anything about Paizo's website, it's like, hello, 2001 called. They want their website back. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, they're still using forums. <laughs> now, I, for a guy like me, I don't have a problem uh, – transitioning between reddit style twitter threads but for a lot of people who are somewhat newer than we are uh that is like oh okay here's an instruction manual on how to operate a rotary dial up <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you're wrong uh, oh man uh, but yeah for the for the new arrivals the bulletin board system is <laughs> the forum it's might as well be morse code <laughs> a telegraph Yep. So, yeah, they're announcing a new store, including uh, a new design for both mobile, web, and tablet. Uh, easy checkout process with payments. And, yeah, okay, the one that I really want is a more... Um, the way that when you buy PDF files, the way they organize them and search through, you've got to actually scroll through multiple, multiple versions. Oh, my. And so I have a large collection of PDFs from Paizo. And yeah, it's a chore to like, oh man, when I uh, put new stuff or want to download it on, I got to look up, do I have this? Did I have, have I downloaded that? Yeah, they're going to reorganize that and they're going to make um, a different uh, subscription and reward programs for those who have the subscriptions to their Adventure Paths and uh, game manuals. And all side court, uh, side cards for subscribers, and better organization, and a Paizo branded experience, whatever that last part means. And new forums. So they are going to be investigating new platforms to provide a better forum experience, as Mike said. Might as well just make it <laughs> <laughs> telegraph from the Civil War. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, <laughs> you, you, that they, analogy, they could use I an really upgrade. Let that sink in and, it gets more hilarious. Yeah, the old. It's better and better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, wrong. I mean, when you when I looked at like Twitter threads and um, Reddit threads, I've been able to transition, and I see that okay. Once I got used to them, man, these are really intuitive. I can really, it's snappy and it's quick, and I don't have to really like scroll through fifteen pages of content to get to the core or the snappy parts of what I'm reading this for. Yeah, get right to it, and I like that. And I mean, I'm not trying to say like, oh, we're all fidgets, you know, all these fidget spinning little millennial kids just have ruined the internet for us. No, you can also have the same experience in Reddit 
going back and slowly reading up and finding all the snark comments that get <laughs> put under them that's still there when you, have, when you see somebody having an argument. But also they all announced some other things uh, besides the new forum. So I'm looking forward to that as much as still grinning about the whole wire telegraph system from the 1800s. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, man. You know, like they might as well go for a motorboat because they're leaving behind the age of sail. Okay. Yeah. They, that they've taken this long to do it. I mean, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, hey, look, and we unabashedly love Paizo. Okay. We do, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap them where they deserve it. Okay. That there's no point in holding back. Like we're, we're not, we're not trying to be false friends or anything. Okay. We, we, we have a great affection for them, but this is where you got to take your lumps. The reason why I'm laughing is because there's pain. <laughs> there's pain. Having to scroll through 386 pages of, to find where good content is located in a forum post about rules, questions, or aren't while people have art raging arguments and flaming debates. Yeah, I no sooner get finished with scrolling through one pile, but 20 more have been deposited in the time it took me to scroll down this far. And when I click again, it refreshes and I barely moved forward at all. Yeah. Uh, so they also talk about licensing. They've had good success with Owlcat Games for the Kingmaker and Wrath of Righteous Games. And of course, BKOM for the Gallows Fire Survivors, which I'm not really familiar with, but I hear good things about, as well as the Pathfinder Abomination. ARPG, the action role-playing game that's going to be kind of like a Diablo-esque click fest. So I'm looking forward to that one. Interesting. Yeah. And so they're talking about that they're uh, partnering with Demiplane and Hero Lab Online to get more tools and contents for character creation, as well as the uh, Starfinder and Pathfinder Infinite programs that allow other um, people to use their license in the electronic and intellectual properties. So that's good that they're still keeping the door open for intellectual, uh, electronic and app device electronics. But where they end up, of course, a teaser, they're coming out with Pathfinder Fiction. And as uh, he says right in the beginning here, the fiction industry has been struggling for years outside a handful of very successful authors, authors pardon me, and our previous Pathfinder tale novels had the same challenges. We're going to be trying out some new strategies to ensure making novels is profitable, but that means we need to create one. And so <laughs> with that teaser in mind, he says that uh, they're not going to announce what they've got, but they greenlit a standalone Pathfinder novel for release in 2024, what the novel's about and who is the amazing author will be revealed in due time. Yeah, okay. Talk me some more. But I like the fact that they end with a teaser. So yeah, uh, the novels reading has become a big thing again. As it always should be, I you know. Uh, well, it never went away. But TikTok, the way in which people express it has shifted a little bit, and I admit, I'm a crusty old relic of the day of the like you know jacketed, dust covered <laughs> book. I, I I I like that. Well, as my wife has uh, showed me with book TikTok, it, there's a whole new generation discovering uh, the joy of just reading big thick books again. Oh, good. And so that's going on. So I think that's where the trend is going. That's a refreshing one. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about the state of affairs from Paizo and go over the letter from the president and the first year. And it's been a big tumultuous one for, I, I imagine, the people up there <laughs> yeah, in look, uh, Washington. Where things were at 12 months ago, 
is not where they wound up uh, by a long shot. This, for anybody in an industry like that, uh, not that I have an overwhelming level of empathy for upper management, but this is one of those years where things impacted upon the industry that, you know, they could not have foreseen. They went through a union vote. They decided to go remote. I mean, those would test the metal of any corporate oh, head team. Hey, that's one thing. I mean, they kind of had that coming up in no matter what. Right. Okay. That was a predictable and traditional thing for any major business to deal with. What I'm talking about is the radical shift in people's expectations from game companies that kind of solidified precisely at the moment that WOTC attempted a massive overreach. Mm -hmm. And the backlash of that, I mean, we're still looking at it. And the eventual progress of the ORC and the cooperative efforts of multiple agencies to work together to kind of build a new gaming frontier that's a little more Wild Westish, okay? A little more open to the newbie and the little guy. Keeping that alive, I honestly don't think it would have happened without WOTC's botch, but it put everybody on alert and it changed a lot of plans that had to be re-engineered very quickly. That is a crazy challenge for a major corporation to undertake. So I, I have a little respect for what they've had to do the last like four or five months. Well, they've had a lot of their play, but all right. Well, that'll wind it up for Action OGL News signing off. We're going to go and uh, take a quick break here, and we're going to be back with some content, so stick around. All right, and we're back with with content. I, wait, did we forget something last week? Oh, oh, we didn't forget it. We had no choice. What? Uh, the Astrogallomancer was out. Oh. He was on vacation. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Well, hey, uh... I hear the Austin Gallimancer has returned back from vacation and he's ready for us to give a, ready to give us, I should say, <laughs> a forecast into the future of what our next podcast will be. So without further ado, the Austin Gallimancer has returned. And what does the Austin Gallimancer forecast or portend for our future? <laughs> well, now that he's crawled his way uh, crawled his way out of that giant margarita glass at the Jimmy Buffett Resort, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was poured in liquid form into his clothing and wheeled to a vehicle which returned him to the office. Uh, he, he is, is back on duty. He, he should be remote working. What does he got? Oh. All right, gazing into the results of the dice, the Astrogallomancer sees looming in the future. An examination of the state of movies and media in 2023. The chaos, the confusion, the conflicting reports, the trends, the weirdness, and the almost mystical attempts to divine meaning without actual proper context. Mm. So much is happening in popular nerd media that we're going to do a little meta coverage because there are factors that make good BuzzFeed stuff where, you know, they're very clickbaity, very, you know, snappy. 
And there's a lot of competing agendas, more than one of them, by the way, okay? Multiple competing agendas, all pushing things, some of which are, you know, wildly inaccurate, others partially accurate, but are missing key bits of context uh, in the larger sense. So we're looking at this evolving marketplace that is affecting the media that we enjoy taking in. Uh, and this meta look coming next week, we're going to just do a pick apart. Uh, wide ranging, a lot of, there's a lot of different angles to, and a lot of different tacks to take. Uh, but hopefully, it'll at least give people an idea of how huge the number of intersectional issues are. Okay. It's, there's an outrageous amount of stuff that goes into what makes our favorite products uh, perceived as success or as failure. So, Media deep dive, and uh, we'll uh, cover that next week then. So bring your comfy clothes because this will be a long one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to eat up the hour. Yeah. So we'll have good content. So, hey, welcome back, guys, for Galamancer. But at least 100% guarantee we're going to be talking like nerd favorites. Uh, you know, some of them have been big wins. Some of them have been big losses. Uh, and some have been characterized as A or B but don't quite qualify as either. So, hmm. well, it seems that we'll need to get into that one because that, that last part seems a bit confusing, but nonetheless, it sounds interesting. So I'm here for it. So, so hopefully you guys will be as well, or folks. Okay, so <clears throat> what do we, that leaves us with the next big challenging question. What are we going to do for content? Well, we got you covered because this is one that we've, talked about before, but we want to take a more of a mechanical look at this. DM improv. What do you do when there's things your normal group doesn't show up? What can you do to make uh, a game get together when you only got three guys, uh, three of the regulars uh, showing up? What can you do to make the game, uh, make a gaming experience happen? <coughs> what should you be prepared for and how often can this uh, occur? And often enough, it occurs with regularity because of the trope and meme of D&D scheduling is the real boss that you have to fight to get the regular <laughs> game going. That's the real challenge. I, I want to throw something out there right out of the gate, just right. and I'm improving it, right. which we'll is see. what we promised ourselves we would do on this topic of DM improving. Uh, my first piece of advice is to all the DMs who don't feel confident in their ability to improv. Okay, that's a thing. There are just some people who are not going to have that level of comfort. And if improv doesn't work for you, if just I'm going random, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen next. Not even me. Mm -hmm. uh, if that truly doesn't work for you, you know, here's a DM homework moment. If you need more in the way of planning and things like that, over plan come up with additional concepts, additional ideas that you, like you're not going to engage them. You're keeping them in a little like side notepad. And these are break glass in case of emergency concepts for play. Like and this, this will get you out of the like, oh, but what if I don't want to improv? Have material ready in advance. You're not really improving anymore. 
you're expanding upon material you prepared way in advance and just left off to the side in the event that you should need it. So we're, we're going to deal with the non-improv part of the improv conversation. And then we move on to the, the actual, okay, here's for those of us who are pretty comfortable just, hey, whatever, I, I'm there. I don't even know what's going to happen. And what I don't know, I'm going to make up. <coughs> All right. I get you. I hear you, David Lee Roth, we're, Dungeon Master. We're Dan Aykroyd and SNL, you know, circa the... Mathematic. <laughs> exactly. I've got five minutes to come up with a sketch because somebody just passed out and threw up in the hallway. Um, okay. Get me a leisure suit and a blender. And a <laughs> And <trout>. a fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey. Now we're into the fun stuff of like, what can sometimes you Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm gonna, we're going to go over it. So yeah, the mechanical stuff. Like Mike says, over plan. Um, when you have time and ideas that didn't get quite developed or places that got skipped over or storylines or concepts that you just didn't get fleshed out or players weren't interested, they aren't wasted content. They're just not ready to be used. And this is a perfect time where you use your DM grab bag to pull those out and flesh them out and put them into fresh storylines for a smaller group of players while the regular ones aren't there. It's, it's a side quest that did, or uh, an opportunity for adventure in a new area that they pass by. Maybe there's a treasure map. Maybe there's a hint of a rumor that they have never heard before, and now you decide to let that slip into the campaign. Oh, and there and are... it pushes them in that direction. There are risks, too. Uh, sometimes when you're just being silly and being random, like... Uh, okay, okay, being completely random right now. Um, okay. You have an NPC that they've got to deal with, and you need a personality trait that at least makes them actable. Okay. And you're reaching, you're reaching, you're thinking to yourself, um, I need a personality trait that will determine how I portray this character to them. Uh, it's an elderly shopkeeper. They're in a place trying to buy a scroll. Um, and I'm going to make him paranoid. Yeah. Okay. okay. The shopkeeper is paranoid. Um, <laughs> they don't realize he's there. Until they see him peering at him, peering at them through the book stacks, suspiciously the entire time. When they ask if there's for some assistance, he demands that they explain why they're in his shop, which is the most ludicrous thing you've ever heard. Because you would think if he had a shop that he would be eager to sell things. But now you're there. Now, here's the risk. They may have a lot of fun with this. And you may have to write this down right on the spot, complete with that person's name and the fact that they're paranoid and the name of their shop and all of that. If the players have a good time, if they find something silly or outlandish that you have cooked up, enjoyable, you may be called upon to bring it back. Even though it was a one-off, crazy-go-nuts university-level event, you never planned for this, and yet... You know they like it. Bring it back. Don't be ashamed of stuff just because you created it on the fly and it was semi-nonsensical. If they had fun, you won. And they won. Everybody wins. 
Well, uh, more to the point when we were talking about the first part here, how does that apply to when you don't have your regular group or you're caught on the fly to do an improvisation or not improvisational game, impromptu session based off of you don't have the full crew there or it's a different gaming night or the venue has moved and not everybody's able to attend. How would you, what would be that? Oh, hey, I took some of my best lessons from the old first edition DM's guide. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, you're going to have to compress the concept of session zero into just a few minutes at the beginning. I mean, if you're truly going to improv this, you at least want to get that feedback from those players who were able to attend. Uh, a little glimmering of like, so what are you guys looking for tonight? You're like, you, you want a little wilderness adventure, you know, little dangerous hex crawl in search of treasure, or uh, dungeon delve, or uh, you know, a heist. You know, what what kind of thing trips your trigger? And let's see what we can work with from there. Do look for cues from the people who are going to be right. your audience. So that that part should be yeah. Um, make make sure that you're always listening. It. Yeah, um, you can kind of pool your care, uh, players for ideas. Where you have fewer players, there's a larger slice for each player to have more interaction. Say you have a big group with six players, and two are out, so you go up with four. They may not have some of the uh, essential components, but they should probably have enough to make a decent session come through. But Asking them, like, hey, what would you guys do? And what's been going on in the campaign that you would maybe like to uh, look over or re-explore or open up again? Or maybe do something completely new and different. Those are good ones. But so you need to take that time out, as Mike says, and compress that time. So basically, you need to give yourself what I would say is the safe hour. When you're having to make up a game on or uh, a new uh impromptu session, you're going to need to give yourself some time. So give yourself about an hour. And that's perfectly fine. I think taking too long and people start to get disinterested and, and, you know, play with their phones or do other things and move around. But if you set like a hard hour for yourself and discipline yourself carefully and sit down and craft what you need to, Probably taking, if you're in a public place, a venue like a game store, probably taking a little uh, quiet time off in the corner. You know, place. It, it's plausible, I, I suppose. You know, I mean, if you're if you're not, if you're really uncomfortable winging it completely. Well, yeah, that's what you said. Is like it, well, what was we're going to explore? We're focusing on the fact that if you're not comfortable doing impromptu or improv. This is what you need to do. Take one of those ideas. Maybe you can pull your players. Maybe you can just pull something out, or grab it out of your hat, and uh, uh, undeveloped plot line, uh, a forgotten clue, or unexplored area. Hey, whatever it takes, do it. It doesn't have to be great, but like Mike said, as long as people had fun, it may not be your best creation, but it's not going to be your worst if you put a little bit of time in it. And I say that, like, when he says compressing session zero down, give yourself that safe power to do that ask a few questions, follow your players, and then after you've taken the temperature of the room, you're ready to move on and figure out what it is you want to do. And this will bring me to the next point. Is like where I often land is like, let's try out a new game. And this is often uh, 
fraught with disaster because the new game requires you to sit down, pull out the rule book that maybe only you have, pass it around a few times. Um, one of the things I'll just basically recommend when we have to do that, just have the pre-gens. Uh, I know that a lot of the old schools, oh, I hate pre-gens, just roll up new characters. Okay, great. That worked when uh, with games like OSE, maybe even first edition. But even second edition D&D, that was not an option. Because, yeah. you know... Yeah, as the character building process became more complex and more varied, uh, the commitment of time became more intensive. And this, it really started biting into our early games years ago. We, we noticed right away that a session zero, uh, honestly, in some cases, almost meant having no actual adventure time during that yeah, session. Yeah, but it was concept creating. Yeah, a lot of prep time, a lot of character crafting, a lot of negotiating, and a lot of like what a lot of writers go through. <clears throat> very much so. With a lot of crunch. Yeah, a lot of crunch. Uh, when you've got a session that merits going random or uh, embracing the chaos uh, and freedom that comes from improv, uh, that, that unexpected session of like, what do we do tonight? Uh, embracing that, if you can find a way to not burden yourself with a lot of prep time, that is a far better choice for that night. Uh, right. Yeah, this is not the time to, you know, like, well, it's a complex system, and the character creation process, you know, should take hours. No, no, this is not the time for that. Throw out pre-gens. Yeah. Um, I know, and I have to preface this. For most people, they're pretty happy to play pre-gens because, hey, we live in a spoiled era now where photocopies oh. are not so hard to get. You know, usually, even for me back in the uh, 90s, it was just simply a trip down to the corner to get a copy. Kinko's copies. Or down to the gas station or even supermarket had a copy machine that you could use yeah they were everywhere so it wasn't too big of a deal for me but i understand some people in more rural areas didn't have that and i'm not saying that i live in a super uh, urban area but uh, you know it is what it is man i understand everybody has different challenges and problems coming into it but we're not there anymore and i think for a lot of older school guys of our generation the re the resistance to pre-gens was, is, well, okay, I'm just going to come out and say this. Second edition TSR pre-gens sucked. Nobody wanted to play them. They were terrible. They were awful. Their stats were low. Their concepts were all over the place. <laughs> That's, look, one thing Wizards of the Coast did with third edition and into fourth edition was is the pre-gens that they had for various modules and things were more, and supplements, were better set up to support that instant play moments and there's a yeah. lot of different ways you can... instant play while having at least one noticeable strong suit okay right. you might have uh a little series of skills that intersect with the other players uh and allow a little backup space you know like uh, okay we've got two people that can technically do some kind of healing but one is really good at it and the other is like ah, yeah, i do a little something something I get a Band-Aid on it. Uh, yeah, that they really got a better grip on it later on. I understand people not wanting pre-gens. 
But when you're testing a brand new game, you don't have a huge level of vestment. It, it's right. worth selling it to the players at that moment. Like, look, these are just pre-gens. If you like what happens here, we'll drop the pre-gens, we'll build some characters, and we'll look at campaign play at uh, some other session. But, you know, this is a chance for you guys to let me know what you think about it. That's a good improv night. That's a good, okay, we're going to wing it. So, nobody here has played Call of Cthulhu before. No. <laughs> I want you to have great faith in me when I tell you, pay close attention to whatever's in any books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a terrible deal. One of the things <laughs> oh, that's that I like to point out is the free RPG days. This is the time to keep those in your book bag, whip them out, go make photocopies, hand them out. Uh, a fistful oh. of flowers. Oh. I definitely, if you need to play, you want to teach new people with uh, second edition, just give them a taste. Fistful of flowers, pre -gen, the pregens in there, you're playing plants at a tea party. And it, it is insane. And uh, <laughs> we've also talked about the one page RPG adventures from, uh, was it Grant Hewitt? Oh, yes. We did. Uh, like uh, Honey Heist and uh, <laughs> Ninja War and uh, Nice Marines. Well, and uh, another one, not I, I do not believe it was by Grant Hewlett, but uh, uh, one of my personal favorites, I, I've mentioned it before yes, on the yes. show, uh, you know, Trapped in a Cabin with Lord Byron. Uh, <laughs> that does seem more like a uh, pick-your-path adventure, but uh, it yeah. does, uh, does seem to lend itself well if you narrate it out. Trying to, trying to craft a masterpiece. <laughs> uh, well... Lord Byron stresses you out or makes you more creative uh, or scandalizes you. Uh, and your, your goal is to have enough masterpiece points to complete a masterpiece, uh, as opposed to so many scandal points that you are forced to drop out of, you know, noble society because uh, oh, too, yeah. many, too many horrible rumors are swirling around you. <laughs> or, or too many stress points, in which case you go absolutely mad or kill Lord right, Lord. but we've, so, we've covered that yeah. in the past. So, I, be, But be, these are one-page games. They're an example of like an improv night opportunity. Um, um, that's something to cover yourself. But if you want to keep going with your campaign, I think uh, hearkening back to some of the stuff is that we said in previous episodes as well as earlier in this episode, is that you have to keep a, a decent eye on the time frame you have. You don't want to detract too much. Taking that save power out, if you finish it beforehand, and you keep a good notebook of ideas and plot lines to develop, I think you might be able to pull out something. But now, there's something I wanted to bring up uh, on this topic that like just occurred to me, because we are improving this as we go yeah. uh, in the spirit of the moment. Uh, a thing that occurred to me is, say you've got an ongoing campaign and you've only got three out of six players, mm -hmm. and you didn't want to launch into something major in the campaign. Now, what if... You have that blessed circumstance where it's possible for three players, like if they're not butt deep in a dungeon right at that moment. Right. Uh, and you're not launching the next campaign just yet. Uh, there are things that those three players can go through that is completely separate from the rest of the group. If it can resolve in a single night, uh, why leave the existing campaign? If everybody's happy in it mm -hmm. and you can come up with something that is going to happen, like shopping trip goes horribly awry <laughs> or uh, 
You've been pickpocketed for a critical item. It becomes the MacGuffin, and you three are frankly yeah, that magical item that you didn't quite identify is suddenly uh, the object of interest for several competing factions, and you've got to get it back. There you go. That's exactly how you do it. You just create a few obstacles in the way. Some of them could be purely role playing or some of social. them could be red herrings. That exactly. Like, yeah, I fled them down on wild goose chase. <laughs> They all don't have to end in a sewer. The um, greatest weapon in my arsenal, the player. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Never, never let them know that they are the worst. <laughs> I, I let it slip. The kimono just yeah. like the breeze hit just the right direction. And don't give away all whoop. the trade secrets, okay? Man, I can feel that breeze. Now, I want to harken back to some earlier products. Uh, back at the later stage of first edition and early stages of second. TSR used to make these very nicely packed um, box sets. I remember the City of Greyhawk box set had a lot of one-page adventure ideas for various levels, and they were scattered not only throughout the continent of uh, the world of Greyhawk, but in Greyhawk City as well. So if you found yourself out in the wilderness and you only had a few players, here's a simple adventure on it was on cardstock. Uh, full color on one side and black and white on the other. Anyway, at the top, it would tell you what level it was suitable for, um, if there was any specific uh, ideas. And you could read over this in a very short amount of time. And if you were prepared enough, you could uh, just hammer out a quick game session with a few people. And it might not last for the full five or six hour session, but it was definitely enough to uh, make everybody feel like their time was well spent hanging out. So. And then, you know, go play video games, play Mortal Kombat 2 on the challenge mode. That was a whole thing. <laughs> if you have the means to play four-player gauntlet as a team. Oh, yes, we did. That's a good way to that's a good way to kill a little time. No. Uh I, I normally would not recommend a video game as the means to to kill a little time. Well, hey, we're game going session, old school. We're gonna go old school. But you know, it has happened. Right. I mean, we, we played for three hours. We finished up. We got, still got time. Hey, let's, you know, uh, sit around and play video games and, and insult each other all day. <laughs> Which <laughs> is much fun as I've ever had. Smack talking. <laughs> so, yeah, we talk about improv because a lot, some people, as Mike said, are very intimidated by it. Like, you put yourself on the spot. But giving yourself a little time to prepare, keeping good notes, as well as having a you know, a couple other games. You know, you go to those free RPG days, you pick up those little modules, and you're like, oh, what in the world is this all about? Yeah, and I personally recommend building a stash of at-the-ready stuff. Hmm? Now, should you get caught short, it's great to develop the ability to improv. Uh, I, I do want to say something about uh, the emotional state you should be in. Accept uh, the possibility that your initial attempts to improv are going to suck. Okay, just accept it. Do it anyway. Right. This is this is like karaoke. Okay, you're not going up there to deliver a perfect rendition of a Mariah Carey tune and you've got to hit every note just right. That's not going to happen. You've set yourself up for failure and misery. Don't have that as your goal. Uh, you know, if, if you're planning to ball out uh, version of an old country tune. You don't have to nail it. You just have to have fun doing it. 
the fun is in just ripping the Band-Aid off and letting it happen. You're like, okay, okay, this might suck, but like this is totally going to happen. <laughs> and just dad joke it. It's okay. Uh, the only actual total failure would be not doing it. Like, oh, uh, there was no game tonight. You know, that would be like an actual. Sometimes that, you know, option uh, call off the game is our operation call off the game is a valid option. Sometimes you just have to pull the record. I've had a couple of times where I've just not felt up to it and I probably should have called the game and, and made a sucky session that I feel bad about. Yeah, I, and I had I've one had, notably where, like, I passed out as the I, DM. I was exhausted. I, I you yeah, know, had a terrible you schedule. Need, you didn't need to uh, call that. And other times you need to just basically say, like, I could have been more agile and prepared for this. But, you know, I'm just to be honest, I'm not going to be uh, able to do this tonight. As I'm getting older, my energy levels are sapping a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Where after a whole weekend of, uh, after the 4th, I was just running around, partying, drinking, and uh, feasting. Yeah, old uh, Randolph wasn't up quite to his old status and being able to just come back in roaring like a lion. I had to sit back and like, I am just beat dog tired and I just need to take a moment out. Do that. Self-care is important. And don't sweat it. Your players don't understand because they go through it too. Everybody does. And so <laughs> it's part of the human condition. Nobody's nobody's like <laughs> Bert Kreischer. I am the machine. Yeah. <laughs> Just except for gaming instead of booze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try not to rob a train in Russia. Uh, uh, this time. <laughs> <laughs> They're making a movie out of that, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh well, why not? Anyway. Well, hey, I look forward to us on our next episode talking about that. And, of course, uh, we're going to take a moment out here and talk about some of the things uh, we have. Uh, Mike, what did you have in store? Just give them a little hint. Don't don't reveal the whole thing. What were you having to – I got something personal that I'm going to reveal next week that uh, we got for uh, our listeners out there. What were you going to give Huh? You, you don't, you don't, he doesn't have anything. He's speechless, folks, but that's all right. I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Are, are we giving, are you revealing the nature of the gifts we're giving out? Just give a teaser. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Oh, you're not? Okay. He, yeah. I'm not telling yet. Oh, well, you know, hey. <laughs> this is the session where we indicated that we are, in fact, doing a prize giveaway. Uh, in the next session, uh, we, I, I thought I would be teasing what the nature of all the right, well, will we'll be. put you on notice, you know. But uh, in the session after that, we will be uh, absolutely clear what is up for grabs. But I, I thought we were revealing this in stages, and we just did the first reveal, which is yes, 300th episode. There is going to be a substantive giveaway. Uh, I I may tease from time to time. Well, it was giving us enough. Well, we the had prizes some, are great. Well. Uh, Reveal behind the curtain. I was giving, we had some time and I was going to use that because probably next week we'll eat up all of our time. So we're talking about that. But anyway, all right. So, uh, yeah, there'll be some stuff and things and prizes. So hopefully you'll uh, enjoy it. Anyway, uh, we're going to on that end it up. So until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya. 